morning, Freedom House. Good to see everybody. Look at your neighbors. Say, you look extremely handsome today. You look extremely handsome. Come on, say it to them. Look at them. Say, you look extremely handsome. Don't be so hesitant. Hey, we want to welcome Peru, Texas, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, South Carolina, New York, Washington, Florida, New Jersey, Montana, Indiana, Maine, Kentucky, and D.C. Come on, let's give it up for all of our live streamers. Good to have you here. Good to have you. Hey, one quick, um, by the way, my name's Troy. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my wife and I are the senior pastors here. Also want to give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Aaron. You guys stand up. <clears throat> Make sure you see them after the service. Uh, they might invite you over to their house tomorrow for a nice little barbecue or something. Um, hey, real quick, next week, and then the entire summer, we are starting a brand new series that if you're in town, you want to make sure that you show up. Um, I'm going to throw up the, the title of it because I keep messing up the title. What does the Bible say about fill in the blank? We're going to talk about all the issues that people are struggling with when it comes to what's happening in our culture right now. And so we're gonna talk about the last days. We're gonna talk about women in ministry. We're gonna talk about uh, transgender, uh, gender issues. We're gonna talk about everything. And we're gonna look at what the Bible says about it. Because we are a Bible-believing church. We believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. And if you want an answer, you don't Google it, you Bible it. Are you hearing me? Okay, we don't Google it. Okay, that's, that's like option number six. The first option is you Bible it. You go to the Bible and find out what God says about the issue. And uh, God hasn't changed his mind. Okay, he, he hasn't changed. We, we didn't get a new edition in 2020 of the Bible. I know people want a new edition of the Bible, but there's one edition, it's his edition, and he's not changing. So make sure you show up. Invite a friend, bring somebody. I mean, bring somebody that doesn't like you to church. Just tell them you're gonna take them out to dinner or something like that. Let's bring some folks that need answers to the, these questions, and I promise you they're gonna walk away very, very uh, informed and inspired about exactly what God says. Hey, today is Pentecost Sunday. Isn't it exciting? Now, if you don't know what Pentecost Sunday is, it's 50 days penta, that's what uh, Penta means, it's 50. It's 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. It's the day that the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples in Acts chapter two, which is what we're gonna talk about. But many people don't know that as a Jew, if you're Jewish, you're not celebrating necessarily that fulfilling of the Holy Spirit. You're actually celebrating when God gave the 10 commandments to the children of Israel. Now, isn't it interesting that the two are in the same pocket, basically, that the word was given, the law was given, and the spirit was given at the same time. Isn't that interesting? And you can go all the way back to the book of beginnings and realize that this is God's pattern, that he always gives the spirit and the word together. In the beginning, uh, the, the earth was without form, voidless, and then, and, and the spirit of God was hovering, and then God spoke. So we see God's word and God's spirit always working in cooperation. And so Peter stands up in Acts chapter two and he preaches the first spirit-filled message. 
We'll talk about this today. I want to title this message, Now More Than Ever. Look at your neighbor, say, now more than ever. Now more, look at your other neighbor, say, now more than ever. Now, I stopped saying turn around and say it to the person behind you because when you turn around, the other person's turning around. I just figured this out in 21 years, that you're really not talking to anybody because they're talking to the person beside you. So, I don't know, let's just, let's, just, let's just keep it right there, all right? Acts chapter two, he stands up, Peter stands up, and he says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, it shall come to pass in the last days. Now, understand, church, we are in the last days. This began the beginning of the last days. Maybe that's one of the topics that we'll talk about over the summer is how do we know that we're in the last days? What are the things that we should be on the lookout in the last days. So 2,000 years ago began the last days. And we know that Jesus is gonna come back real soon. Now, we don't know if it's gonna happen in our generation. I hope so. That'd be pretty awesome if we were the generation that Jesus came back with. Now, I know people say, well, I know when he's coming back. No, they don't. They're liars or weird, one or the other. Okay, so if anybody says, I know when he's coming back. No, if a preacher says it, he's a liar. He does not know. Now, we know the signs but only the Father knows. Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. So Peter stands up and he says, in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now Peter is preaching this holy, and then he goes on to preach this message and 3,000 people get saved. What's the message about? It's the message of the promise that Jesus told his disciples. He spent the majority of his three and a half years telling his disciples, hey, I gotta go away sometime. And they get mad at him. They say, please don't say that anymore, Jesus. He rebuked Peter because Peter said, stop talking about that whole going away stuff. We need you to be here. But Jesus kept telling him, it's better that I go away. I need to go away because I'm gonna send you a helper, a friend, uh, the Bible calls him a parakletos, one that comes alongside, one that walks along, alongside you, not behind you, not in front of you, but right beside you, to help you in life, to help you know uh, the next step, to help you figure out your purpose. What on earth am I here for? Well, the Holy Spirit can help you with that. Discernment, okay? Should I marry her? Should I get engaged to him? You know, the Holy Spirit will help you with those things, to lead you, to grow them, to empower us. So, Jesus is raised from the dead. The Bible tells us that there were 500 people that watched him get raised from the dead, watched him go up to heaven. And he said, just wait in Jerusalem because you're gonna be endued. You're gonna get filled with the power of God so you can fulfill this mission, as Nicole was talking about, this mission that God has given us as the church. And this is the beginning of the greatest movement that has ever existed on the planet, which you are a part of, called the Church of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? You're a part of the greatest movement to ever exist on the planet. Don't ever, don't ever let anybody tell you that the church is weak, that's failing, that it's d declining. No, no, no. The church is growing. It's becoming more powerful and strengthening. I know, I know the media will tell you that Christianity is not growing, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. And so, so Jesus tells them over and over, hey, listen, you're gonna receive this power. So as he leaves, he says, wait, wait in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem. So 500 of them go up into the upper, this place called the upper room. Okay, so 500, day one, 500, praying, Lord, you said he's gonna come, we're waiting. Day two, 10 leave. <laughs> 
They couldn't handle it. Maybe they had to go get a job, do whatever. They had to go back to their work. You know, day three, another 50 leave. Day four, maybe there's some, you know, communication in the midst of, hey, you know, Jesus, it's day four. Like, what's up? Now, don't look at me like that because we all do that with God. Like, I prayed yesterday, what's up, God? I mean, you said you would answer my prayers. I mean, you're even supposed to know what I'm gonna pray before I even pray. Why don't you just answer it so I don't have to say it? We all want it real quick. And let's be honest, most of us give up before we get it. Day four, another 50 leave. Day five, come on, Peter, what's going on? They probably get mad at the disciples. Another, another 30 leave. Day six, some more leave. Day seven, some more leave. Day, day eight, I mean, people are getting real nervous. Like, did Jesus lie? I mean, he said, he, well, we're gonna get this promise. Where's the power, God? And then, you know, day, day, day eight, day nine, day 10 comes. Now, this is 40 plus 10, the day of Pentecost, and there's only 120 that are left. So out of 500, 380 walk out. 120 are there, and the Bible says that the Spirit of God falls and is poured out on those 120, and the church of Jesus Christ begins. I believe now more than ever, we need the power and the presence of God in our lives and in our families. Now more than ever, we need the power of Jesus in our communities. Now more than ever, we need the power of God in our marketplace. Now more than ever, we need the power of God in our kids' lives, in our schools, in our universities. Are you with me? That's why Jesus said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So let me ask you, how many of you could use some more spiritual power in your life? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, about half of you, okay. I guess the rest of you are angels and you don't need any more power. So just go on up to heaven, let us have church, okay? Let me ask you again, how many of y'all need some more spiritual power in your life? I, I know, I, I'm a pastor and I don't have the answer to all the questions. I, I mean, I got problems in my marriage. I got, I got stuff going on with my family. I got, I got things that, needs, that need to happen in my life. I need more power. I need more spiritual power in my life. I need some power with my prayers. Are you with me? So again, one more time. How many of y'all need some more spiritual power? Okay. Well, let's find out how to get some. Look at Jacob. He said, get some. Follow me here. I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey. Let's go on a journey real quick. Jesus performed 37 different miracles, documented miracles in the body. 37. He walked on water. He healed sick people. He, he spit on the ground, made some mud, put it in somebody's eye. We're gonna do that later. He caught a fish, had some money in it to pay taxes. Hello. Fed 5,000 people with a, with a Captain D's, number three, not even supersized. John tells us in John 20, 21 that there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So we just have 37 examples of what he did miraculously. But John tells us there were some, in three and a half years, he did so many different miracles. One of those miracles, however, was different than the other 36. 
Because most of the miracles that Jesus did, specifically when it came to healings and involving people, they would come to him and then he would touch them. He would do something to them, extend his faith to them. Jesus, the son of God, would reach out to them. However, there was one miracle where somebody touched Jesus and power came out of him. One miracle. I wanna know what that person did to get the power from Jesus. She obviously knew something that we need to know. If I want more spiritual power, yes, God can do it on his own. But if there's a way that I can touch God to get something from him, I want, I want to know how to do it. It's found in Luke chapter eight. It's found in Matthew chapter nine. It's found in Mark chapter five. You may know the story. It's the woman with the issue of blood. All different, you see three different perspectives. We're gonna look at Luke chapter eight, but three different perspectives. So let me give you the, what's going on in Jesus's world right now. Okay, so Jesus tells his disciples, hey, we need to go to a, on a short-term missions trip. And so as we gotta go across the lake and uh, we have a mission, he need to tell them what was going on. So they get in the boat, he's tired. And so he go, they go across the lake. In the middle of the lake, a storm hits and Jesus is asleep. They get mad, Jesus, you're gonna let us die. And he says, oh, don't worry about that. And he comes out and calms the storm and everything's good. They start to work. They're like, man, this guy's he's pretty legit. Like he can calm storms, that's pretty legit. So then they get to the other side and you may know the story, they are met by this guy who is full of demons. Not just one demon, but full of demons. His pronouns would be they and them. <laughs> just in case, you, if you're like the pronoun person, his pronouns would be they and them. Whenever you see somebody say my pronouns are they and them, probably a demon. I'd say 95% they, they them would be demons. <laughs> That's pretty funny, I don't care who you are, that's pretty funny. <laughs> the reason we know Jesus asked him, hey, who are you? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. So Jesus cast they and them out, they and them go into some pigs, they run into the water, and they die. He comes back across town, and he's walking through the town. Let's, let's catch up with him. So he's walking through, he's got his posse, he's got his disciples with him, and behold, Luke chapter eight, verse 41, it'll be on the screen behind me. Behold, there came a man named Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. He wasn't the pastor. He was like the CEO of the church. And he fell down at Jesus's feet and begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about, how, how old was she? 12 years old. How old was she? 12 years old. And she was dying, but as he went, the multitudes thronged him, pressed on him. Now a woman, okay, so we got Jairus and we got this woman having a flow of blood for how many years? And it's interesting that the daughter was 12 years old and she had a flow of blood for 12 years old, for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, this is the punchline by the, by the way, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, 
Everybody's touching you. Everybody's pressing on you. The multitude's throwing you. And you say, who touched me? Jesus said, but Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Verse 48, and he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. All these people are around. This this little girl comes from behind, touches Jesus. Power goes out from, she knew something. There was obviously something that she understood that I wanna understand. How about you? Okay, well, let's talk about 12 years first because 12 is very significant. Whenever you see a number in the Bible, pay attention to it because it's not by accident that the Holy Spirit had Luke and Matthew and and Mark all write that number in the scripture. Numbers are important. Three is the number of perfection. Seven is the number of wholeness or completeness. 10 is the number of testing. 40 is the number of wilderness. 12 is the number of God's power. It's the number of God's power. So what we know just from that little bit that this is a passage about God's power. We've got to, this, is, this is God's power. There were 12 spies who went into the promised land. There were 12 tribes of Israel. How many disciples did he have? 11? No, he had 12. There were 12 baskets left over after feeding the 5,000. In the, in the book of Revelation, there will be a tree that will yield 12 fruit. Jesus, when he was 12 years old, said, I must be about my father's business. So what was it? that this woman did to draw from Jesus, what was in that touch? Let's talk about it. The first thing, if you wanna take some notes, write this down, that she was desperate. Desperate. And had suffered, Mark 5 says, she suffered many things from many urgent cares, many physicians, She had spent all that she had, all of her money, her 401k was gone, her IRAs were spent and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, I'm not talking about desperate like you need a date desperate. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about desperate like you texted her 10 times after you went on that date. That's desperate, by the way. Here's some counsel from your pastor. Wait a couple days before you text her. Okay, give her a little time just to let your, let your date marinate a little bit. Create some, create some action on her side before you reach out and go, hey, I like you. We should go out again. Wait a, pause. Pause. I've had the opportunity to go overseas a lot, like go to different countries. And honestly, in ministry, I see this a lot with people who go overseas. How many of y'all been on a mission trip? Raise your hand if you've ever been on a mission trip. Our goal at Freedom House is to have a missions trip every single month, eventually, where you can go overseas. We got something happening this summer. We'll have something in the fall. 
um, and you know, we're gonna move towards where, because I think every Christian should go on the mission field. I think every, everybody who, who has given their life to Jesus should go overseas or go somewhere and experience God using you in a powerful way. Because when they, the problem though is when they come back to America, the question I hear all the time is, why do I see the miracles that I saw in X country like in America? How come I don't see those things happen? How come, you know, I used to do, before I started the church, I used to do crusades. So I raised my own money. I had a, a little band and we would go overseas and I would have two or three nights. And I'd see, I mean, I saw people that were blind see. I saw people get up from wheelchairs. And then you come back to America and you can barely get a cold healed. Like it's tough. Let me tell you why. It's because we have too many options. We're not desperate. I went to Haiti years and years ago. It was my first missions trip that I ever went on. People were desperate. They couldn't just get in the car and go to the drugstore and get an aspirin if they had a headache, which is what we can do. They couldn't just, you know, just go to the doctor at any moment and get three or four different options. No, they couldn't do that. They were desperate. They were, it was life or death. This woman had, had exhausted all of her options and she had nothing left. Her only option now was Jesus. Have you exhausted all your options? I mean, think about it. She, she, she had bled for 4,380 days hemorrhaging. 12 years of disappointment. The Bible says that she would be considered unclean. So whenever she went outside of her house, she'd have to yell, unclean! So nobody would touch her because if you touched somebody who was unclean, you became unclean. We don't, ever, we don't hear anything about her husband because he probably left her because she was unclean for 12 years. No children, no babies. We don't know anything about her family. She's probably all alone. So not only has she been bleeding for 12 years, she's also, also socially disconnected. She's probably in full depression mode. If something doesn't happen, I'm probably gonna kill myself. I, I don't know what to do in this situation. She was death. She wasn't even allowed to go to church. Like, I'm sorry, ma'am, you can't come in. You're unclean. That'd be harsh, wouldn't it? Terrible. Psalms 34, David understood this. He said, when I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. Not whiny, but desperate. There's a difference. Not complaining, but desperate. Not a victim, but desperate. Desperation requires honesty. It requires vulnerability. True desperation has a direction. It has a target. So let me ask you, Freedom House, are you desperate? Second thing is she was humble, humble. Luke 8, 44, and she came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. All right, I need some help here. Could I get... This row and this row. Can y'all come up on the platform real quick? Come on, you gotta hurry up, gotta hurry up because they only, have, only gave them 11 minutes left and the, the, the sound team just shuts the sound system off. That's the rules now. You're fine, you can stay right there. You're good, you're good. 
All right, so um, Aaron, you're gonna be Jesus. You're gonna walk this way. Walk, walk that way. Well, no, no, don't walk that way. You're gonna be walking that way. Now you guys get, all gather around Jesus like you're walking with him, like you're walking with Jesus. All get in the front too, because some of you be in the front, around him, get all around him, get all around him like that. Get all around him, that's good, that's good. Let me get this, this row too. You, you guys come up here too. Come on, ladies, come on up here. Because I want you to get this picture. I want you to get this picture of what happened here. Y'all, I mean, if this was the price is right, y'all be up here way faster than that. All right, gather around him, get all around him, get over here, get over here, get next to Jesus. Because you'd want to be next to Jesus, right? You want to be close to Jesus. You wouldn't you want to be close to Jesus? Get up there close to him. Okay, so, so this is the picture that you see as Jesus is walking down. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. And he had a robe that he would wear because all rabbis did, all teachers did. And in every corner, on four corners, they had these things called zizots, tassels. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would make their tassels, their borders, bigger than everybody else, basically saying, look how big my Bible is. So the rabbi was walking, Jesus was walking, and this woman is unclean. And she's not supposed to touch anybody. So how in the world is she gonna get to Jesus? How's she gonna do that? She has to go low. She can't work her way in this way. She can't go in this way because socially, she's not allowed to touch anybody. So for her to touch Jesus, she has to, follow me here, humble herself in order to reach through and grab the tassel of Jesus. You gotta go low if you want the power. Hey, give them a hand. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. As Jesus walked through the crowd, this woman had to go low. She had to humble herself. Humility is a freedom from vanity. Humility is spiritual modesty. It's the opposite of pride. Pride is the greatest sin. Matter of fact, everything we're seeing right now in our world with Target and all the stuff that's going on, you know what it is? Pride. It's basically saying, I want to be God. So I get to choose what I am. Instead of humbling yourself to the reality that God made you the way you should be. Are you following me? Look, it's, it's not homosexuality. It's not transgender. It's pride. It's all pride. Now look at me, look at me. There are two ways to get humble. Two ways. Number one, you humble yourself. Number two, you get humbled. Can I tell you number two, way more painful than number one. Some of you right now are probably in the midst of being humbled. We call it bankruptcy. We call it bad choices. We call it wrong relationships. We call it bad decisions, but you end up getting humbled by life. We have to get humbled sometimes when we choose to not be humble. 
One of my favorite kind of verses in the Bible is in Luke chapter 15 where, where Jesus tells a story of a, a son who went to his dad and says, I want what's due me. Give me, give me my money. Basically, dad, I want you to die early so I can have my inheritance. And his dad says, okay, you can have what's yours. And he takes it and the Bible says he spends it wastefully, prodigal living, prostitutes and parties and cars and stuff and people until one day it's all gone. Not just the money, but everybody's gone. And he ends up working for a pig farmer as a Jew. That would be the worst thing in the world. Even worse than that, he's eating what the pigs would eat in the pigsty. And the Bible says this, he got humbled. He came to himself. And he said, maybe, maybe my dad has servants that are treated better than me. Maybe I could go back home. And he starts rehearsing his humility speech. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter five, it says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast your care upon him for he cares for you. James four says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. The, the word resist means he opposes he withstands, he sets up battle against is what resist means. In other words, when you and I decide to be prideful, we are on the other side of God's army. He's not, he's not just going to remove stuff, he's going to resist us, reject us. That's why Satan was kicked out of heaven. He didn't get rebuked and corrected. He got removed because that's what happens when we're getting prideful. How do I know I'm prideful? I don't know how to say I'm sorry. You don't listen to anyone. You won't repent. You won't humble yourself. How do I humble myself? How do I take option one, door number one, as opposed to door number two? How do I not go through all the pain of having life humble me, submit it's real easy. Submit to the word of God. What does the Bible say? And then obey it. That's what she did. That's what this woman did. The Bible said in Malachi chapter four, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Wings were another word for the, the robe that would flow as someone walked. Son of righteousness, she understood this was the Messiah. If I can just touch the wings of the Messiah, I will be obedient to the word of God. I'm gonna humble myself and God will heal me. What areas of the word are you not submitting yourself to? Well, I don't like that part of the Bible. Well, you know, I'm living with my girlfriend. I'm living with my boyfriend. It's okay. No, the Bible says you're supposed to save yourself for marriage. It's called a covenant for a reason. You know, I can do whatever I want. I can say, no, no, no. Let's, let's, let's not rip out pages of the Bible. Or you'll end up going through the pain of being humbled. Now, you say, well, everything's going good for me and I'm not doing that. But there's gonna be one day where you're gonna stand before God and it's gonna be a very humbling experience when you realize that you weren't him. She humbled herself. Thirdly, real quick, I'm almost done. She had great faith. Everybody say great faith. She was desperate. She humbled herself. She had great faith. 
Jesus answered, Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? Peter said, Jesus, let's just hold on. Man, there's hundreds of people around you and everybody's touching you, everybody. And he said, but this touch was different. I mean, think about it. Think about all the people that were touching Jesus to be healed and only one drew power out of him. She had great faith, great faith. How many people touched him? Faith, see, faith is what draws power from Jesus. Listen to me very closely. God is not moved by need, he's moved by faith. If he was moved by need, he would be in places like India and Africa and the third world countries of the world because there's a lot of need there. No, he's moved by faith. Faith is our currency that we exchange with heaven with. It's not just a good prayer or a bunch of doing. No, it's faith. Faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't see it, insert faith. You got hope for it, insert faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Her private faith got her healed, but her public faith made her whole. She came from behind. Now, follow me here, because this is what happens to a lot of Christians. This is what we do, and I'm putting myself in the same category. We come from behind, we're desperate, we got faith, we touch the hem of his garment, we get healed, and then we leave. But that's not what happened to her. Because Jesus, as he's walking, he stops and says, who touched me? Now, let's just be honest. If Jesus were to stop and say, who touched me, why in the world would she expose herself? Why would she say, oh, it's me? She didn't have to. I wouldn't have done it. Because typically what we do is we come to God, we get what we need, and then we leave. And then three years later, when the family's a wreck, we come back to God, we get what we need, and then we leave again. And then... Everything happens in our business. We go bankrupt and everything tears down. We come back to church. We get what we need and then we leave again. When are we gonna come with our private faith and stay strong through our public faith? He said, he said, he said, he said, who touched me? And she said, me she, she, she fell down on her feet, fell down on her knees and said, it, it was me. And then Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Her private faith dealt with the hemorrhage. Her public faith dealt with the depression, the anxiety, the social disconnection, everything in her heart that was disease that was problem this whole 12 years of being lonely and 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 disconnected from people had she had suffered so much on the inside and Jesus said because you stood up you're whole you're whole 
Some of you gotten healed, but you ain't whole. Still got some stuff in, in there. Answered a lot of altar calls, but you ain't whole. Let me tell you, this is what it's gonna take right now in our lives, in our country, with the church, is for us to not just be private with our faith. Yeah, I'm a Christian until pressure comes. That's what, that's what honestly, that's what I believe COVID did, is it, it, it exposed who had public faith. Because when pressure comes is when you really find out what kind of conviction you have. When your family tells you, why in the world would you say that? Why would you go to a church like that? Why would you go to a church with a white pastor? Come on, I just said it. Why would you go to that church? You didn't, you weren't raised like that. Public faith. Why, why, would you, why, would you, why would you stay in an environment like that? I mean, that pastor's wife, she's crazy on Instagram. That's not loving. She said, it was me, Jesus. I want you to stand up on your feet. He gave her value again. That's what happened because of her public faith. He gave her vision again. He gave her worth again. He gave her purpose again. So the last thing that she did that we can learn, because I, I, I want some more spiritual power in my life, is she had courage. She overcame all kinds of obstacles in order to put herself in a position where she could not just be healed, but that she could walk away completely whole. So I wanna ask you today, with, with every head up, with every eye open, and everybody looking around, Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Jesus said, when are you gonna have public faith? When are you gonna step out and not just hide? When, when, when people ask you about, are you a Christian? Yes, I am a Christian. What do you believe? I believe the Bible. Well, well, hold on a second because, you know, it's just out of date. No, I, I believe the whole counsel of the scripture. I'm a blood-bought, believing, Jesus-believing. I'm, I'm not going to put my pronouns on an email. I'm not, I'm going to stand up for what's right and truth. Yes, I love you, but I'm not going to tolerate your behavior. I'm not going to allow you to infringe on my freedoms. I love you just like Jesus loved you. And I'm gonna stand up publicly and declare that. So I've been doing this at all the campuses. Are you ready to stand up and declare that you are, you are full of the power of God? Are you ready to stand up and declare? Because some of you have been, you, we, don't, we don't need any more undercover Christians. We, we don't need any more. Well, you know, if I, if I say something, my family's gonna probably not invite me to Thanksgiving. Okay, then have Thanksgiving at your house. Well, you know, if I, if I say something, then, you know, my, my son or my, 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 my cousin who's, who's come out of, you know, in, in a homosexual lifestyle, he's not gonna ever talk to me again. So I gotta be quiet. No, 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 no. Let's be public with our faith. Let's be strong with our faith. 
I mean, if we really believe it, then let's shout it from the mountaintops. Shout it from the mountains. I mean, if Jesus hung publicly for you and me, then by God, we should be able to stand up and shout publicly that he's our God, that he's our savior. So, so here's the deal. It's easy to do that in this room. I mean, let's be honest. Most of the people here are nice. We're working on the other 30%. Forward, life groups, we're working on them. About 70, I'd say 80% of them. So it's easy to stand up in here. It's when you go out these doors and the devil says, no, you need to be quiet. Tomorrow, when your boss puts pressure on you, why you got your Bible on your desk? That's offensive to people. Why would you, why would you even think about having a Bible study? You're in school and, and people put pressure. Why would you even say? I mean, most of the people here are atheists and, and you should understand and, 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 and not share your, it's offensive. You go, well, I'm sorry. Jesus was offensive. And if you don't wanna be offended, then don't listen. But I'm not gonna stop sharing the truth. I'm gonna stand up and be public with my faith. So again, with every head up, with every eye open, everybody looking around, if you're, if you're ready to come, come out from undercover and declare that you are a blood-bought Christian follower of Jesus Christ, I believe God's gonna touch you and make you whole today. So I'm gonna count to three. If you say, that's me, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come to this altar, declare in front of everybody and in front of God. I want you to do it in here so you can have the strength to do it out there. And I wanna invite you to have a public faith and we're gonna pray and God's gonna fill you with power like never before, just like that woman. Amen? So you ready? You're ready to declare, I'm, I'm gonna be public with my faith. I'm gonna be public with my faith. Ready? One, two, three. Just get out of your seat and come down this altar. I wanna pray for you right now. I'm gonna be public with my faith. Come on, give them a hand as they come. Give them a hand. Give them a hand as they come. Come on, give them a hand. So proud of you. 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 So proud of you guys. Proud of you. Proud of you. Proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. Keep clapping for him. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. I'm gonna be public with my faith. Probably should have told you this before you came up here. Kind of did a little bit. But by making this step, you have now become a target for the enemy. There's a big bullseye on your back. He wants to take you out. Listen, listen to me. The devil would love. He, he doesn't care how much we shout and scream and worship inside these four walls. He would love for us just to stay right here. The moment he gets nervous is when you take this out there. You take it into your homes, into your schools, into your jobs, into your career. That's, that's when he gets really nervous because then his strategies change. He's gonna try to knock you out, mess you up. That's why Acts chapter two, God gave us the Holy Spirit so we could have the boldness and the courage to stand up in the midst of any type of pressure, any type of challenge. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 
Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Come on, say it with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. One more time. Greater is he that's with me than he that's in the world. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands up to heaven, those of you all that answer. Stretch your hands out, church, as, as they receive today. Father, I thank you so much for the power of the Holy Spirit. Say this with me if you, you came up to this altar and you're ready to be public with your faith. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe and declare that Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior, but He is my Lord. I proclaim that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was raised from the dead so I could begin a new life. And today, I publicly declare that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me with boldness, with courage, with strength, so that no matter what pressure comes in my life, I'll stand strong for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me just pray for you. Father, I just release the power of the Holy Spirit into every life right now. God, I thank you right now. God, that you would touch people, that you would fill them just like, just like it happened 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. God, that you would touch them and fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill them with courage in their families. Fill them with courage in their workplace. Fill them with courage with their friends. Fill them with courage in their career. Fill them with courage to fulfill their mission. Fill them with courage to step out. Fill them with courage, God. Courage, God. Boldness. Thank you, God, that you're birthing ministries right now. You got preachers right here on this, in this altar. You got, you got mama bears in this altar, God, that are going to stand up for a legacy of children. You got papa bears. They're going to start living the character and as a father and as, as with integrity and strength and lead the families. God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit right now is filling them in Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Come on, give him some praise. Come on, give him a big shout. Yes!